Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Happy Father's Day, guys. This is a great day. This is a day when I get to preach to myself. Every other day it's about you all because I got my life together, but I know you don't. So I just apply the word to you and I just, no, really, it's all always preached through my life as well. But uh, happy Father's Day. Today I want to encourage you, and I, I'm speaking to all men, really, not just the dads, but if you're a man, you're 18 or over, I want you to know you have influence. You have, you're important in the kingdom of God. And I want to celebrate what God has hardwired you to be. And that is to have influence. That is to be a man, to live as a man. You get under a lot of, under a lot of um, take a lot of criticism. People think that our dad jokes are not funny. Come on, we, may, we tell great jokes, don't we, dads? I mean, people think that we, you know, kind of dress dad-like sometimes, and sometimes we're worried about things that are never going to happen, right? Oh, honey, I don't think you should go outside. It's dark. Oh, be careful out there. I mean, we're like that, right? But that's all right. That's who we're called to be. We're wired to be men who are going to try to protect our family, to raise up followers of Jesus, to be firm in what we believe, to stand strong. And I want to thank you dads for being dads. I want to thank you men for being men. It is so important for you to be a man of God. Whether you have kids or not, your kids are young, old, or have gone like ours have. It's so important for you to be a man of God, and that's what we're going to talk about today. The family is desperate for you to be a man, for you to be a father. The main thing I want us to get from this today is that the greatest gift you can give your family, the greatest gift you can give those who are coming behind you is to train them to follow Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's the role that you have been given. It's so important that we grab hold of that and embrace that and own that. You say, well, isn't, isn't the woman supposed to help? Isn't she? Yeah, your wife should be involved. She should have a key role, really, to raise kids, as my old friend Henry Brandt used to say, is it's, it's a spirit-filled woman and a spirit-filled man sitting down at a table figuring out how to raise their kids. Yes, but dads, it's up to you to get it done. It's up to you to make sure that it gets done, to see to it that it gets done, as we'll see in Scripture. The primary text is Ephesians 6, 4, but before we go there, we have to set it in context, don't we? We preach the Bible here. We don't proof text. We don't go cherry pick verses to say what we want to say. We take scripture in context, what it means in its place. So Ephesians, especially chapters 5 and 6, is Paul saying this is how you should live. This is the role that you should have. He talks about husbands and wives and children and fathers and employers and employees. And it all kind of pivots off of Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Paul says this. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul's saying, listen, I want you to be careful. Don't just go with the flow. Don't just fit into culture. Don't just go with what you think the expectation is. He's saying, listen, we need to live according to the will of God. What does he want us to be? How does he want us to live? What is to be our focus? Be careful. Another word we used to use with our kids all the time was be intentional. Be intentional about what you're doing. It's really easy just to get caught up in what you think people expect of you. Paul says, listen, this is the will of God. And I'm going to tell you in these various areas of your life, this is how you should live. Be intentional. Don't miss out on his will for your life. And then he goes through and he talks about husbands and wives. And he talks about the husband's role is to be Jesus with the church who gave himself for the church to make the church holy to sacrifice himself, to raise up a holy bride, the church, and that's the picture of a husband. Then he talks about children obeying their parents in the first part of chapter 6. And then in chapter 6, verse 4, he gets to the text I want to focus on today. Ephesians 6, verse 4 says this, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. First thing I want to tell you is, guys, be a father. Be a father. Paul addresses men specifically. He doesn't use the word for parents here. He uses the Greek word pater, which means father. Very specifically, a male uh, leader of the family. Father. Guys, your gender matters. Your gender matters matters. So much of culture is trying to tell us it doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, and men and women can have all the same roles, all those kinds of things. Listen, that's not what is consistently through Scripture. God created two genders for a reason, because they have different and complementary roles that are of equal value, but they're not the same. Gender absolutely matters. It grieves me so much when people who claim Christ walk away from this truth about how he created us and say, I could choose my gender. Let me just tell you, you cannot. Gender matters. The role of a woman is really important. The role of a man is really important, but they are not the same. Guys, because you're a man, you have a specific role, and this is one of your specific assignments. Fathers, be a Father, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. I love how Paul talks about roles of people in, in different leaders in your life. He says this, For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul says, listen, you have many uh, you have many guides, many tutors. They're, a guide would be like a guardian, um, someone who maybe even a nanny who teaches your child something. There's a lot of people who have influence on your child, and that's a good thing, right? You want to have people come and teach them certain things. You want to bring them to children's ministry. You want them to know other adults in the church. You want them to be raised up. But listen, there's not many fathers. You have a very specific role. 
the overall responsibility of raising up your child to follow Jesus falls on you. Paul's talking to the Corinthians there, and he's saying to them, listen, I spent a lot of time with you, and I helped you come to know Jesus Christ. I, I, I helped you come to the point where you repented of your sin and received the gift of salvation. I helped you do that. Because of that, I'm your spiritual father. There's a lot of guides. There's a lot of teachers. There's a lot of coaches. There's a lot of guardians. But you're a father. You're a father. Take that role very seriously. It really matters. I love in the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, really better titled, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. He says, pray then like this. Our Father, who art in heaven. Take that in for a moment. Our Father. Someone who is responsible for me being alive. Someone who is invested in you. Someone who loves you. Someone who cares deeply about you. Someone who's given you access to himself. Our Father. Our Father. Isn't it amazing that we can go to God as our Father? Not some, some great God that's way off somewhere else. Not some great God who doesn't care. Not some, some, some distant deist, uh, deistic creature. It's our Father. It's incredible. J.D. Greer in his book, Just Ask, about the Lord's Prayer, says this. Recognizing and reveling in the fatherhood of God is the engine of the Christian life. Recognizing and reveling in He's your Father. It's incredible. In light of that, guys, understand this. That your children's view of God is first formed by their view of you. You get to set the tone for how they see God by how they see you. You're the first father they ever know. Do you point him to God, who you are? Are you, you're not God, first of all. Let's just be clear about that. I know some of you are amazing fathers, right? But none of you are God. But you do set the tone. You do set the tone. You do help them see God. Their first lens they see God through is you. They will overcome it. Don't get me wrong. But you need to take that view. When they see God, the first thing they see is you. They see him like you with your attributes. How much love do you have? How honest are you? How open are you? How caring are you? How much do you come to rescue them? How much are you there for them? They see God first through you. So first of all, be a father. Second of all, don't provoke your kids. Back to Ephesians 6, 4. Do not provoke your children to anger unless they really deserve it. (laughs) Not really. Do not provoke your children to anger. It's our tendency sometimes, isn't it, dads? It feels right. Sometimes we get angry and they get angry. We provoke them with our anger. 
And don't get me wrong, because they get angry at you, it doesn't necessarily mean it's your fault, right? We can't blame our anger on others, but we shouldn't be as dads provoking our kids to anger. That's not godly parenting. That's not being a godly man to say, well, I'm just going to get mad at them. I'm going to make them mad, and then they'll for sure go clean their room. That's not the picture of God the Father. That's not the picture that we're supposed to be delivering. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. That's the picture. You're not a better father, a better father when you're angry. You're not a better husband when you're angry. You're not a better anything when you're angry. James 1.20 says, For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You're not going to look back and say, Well, man, because I got angry, we were able to produce the righteousness of God. It doesn't happen. You say, Well, what about righteous indignation? What Listen, if you can do it, more power to you. I just can't. And I don't know many people that can. In almost every case, anger is sin. You just need to own that. Can you be filled with the Spirit and be filled with rage at the same time? Let me just tell you, you cannot. You cannot. And when you use anger on your kids and they get mad at you, that's not a positive thing. That is not going to produce the righteousness of God in your child. For you to be mad, for you to provoke them, try to get them angry, that's not what God calls us to do. And it's interesting that Paul starts off this section with that very thing. Guys, I know you want to get mad at your kids. I know you want to... Don't do that. I love how Scripture corrects us. It seems natural at times, but it's not going to raise kids. It's not going to help train them to follow Jesus. Don't pass your anger to the next generation. Don't pass your anger to the next generation. It's fairly easy to deal with. It's as simple as repenting of anger, saying, God, I, I don't want to be an angry dad. I don't want to know, I don't want my kids to know me as an angry father. I can relate because I did this as a father, young father. Someone confronted me and called me to repentance. I'm so grateful that they did. I've seen video of myself and I've, I, when I was dealing with my three-year-old son. And uh, he was starting to get upset. And someone is videoing me at the same time. And he starts to, say, starts to get angry. And I can see him. And I, I go up to him. You know how, what I did to him? I grabbed him by the arm and I said, Don't get mad! It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Did that help him not get mad? No, it didn't. Repent of your anger. Let God clean that out. You don't have to be that way. You say, well, I need that. They're going to think I'm a pushover. No, actually, they'll be more fearful of you if you stay calm. Kids kind of like it when you lose it. They don't like what you do, but it's kind of control factor for them. They'll be much more responsive if you're simply calm and carry out what you claim you're going to do. 
Don't pass your anger to the next generation. That's really what he's saying. Instead, instead, back to Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In other words, train them to follow Jesus. Probably the greatest golfer of our generation is Tiger Woods. And many of you probably know that when he was growing up and when he was learning to play the game, his father would do things to distract him while he was playing. He'd be standing over a putt, and his father would start jiggling change in his pocket. He'd be in his backswing, and his father would shout at him. You say, well, that's kind of provoking. Well, he had a purpose. His goal was to train his son to block out everything, every distraction while he was playing. Tiger would say he helped him be a great golfer. He was training his son. See, the word here, the, to raise them up, it refers to the entire process of parenting. The entire process from birth all the way until the time they launch out of your home. It's that entire process. Raise them up. Help them be who they should be. The goal of of a father is to produce adults who follow Jesus. The two words there are um, discipline and instruction. Those two words refer to this word discipline. um, It refers to maybe better translated train. Train them. And it means to educate It means to teach. It means to provide them the moral uh, underpinnings of what you're teaching them. It means to teach them about consequences, about punishment. That whole word is to train, to grow them up, to help them be who they should be. The second word that's translated instruction probably is better translated admonition, as it is in some translations, the care and admonition of the Lord. And it refers to the fact that you're going to have to teach them warnings. This is what's going to happen if you don't do this. These are the warnings. This is the bad things that could happen. But in that word also is the sense that you're going to face some resistance. Every dad in here has faced resistance. The question is, is following Jesus important enough to go ahead and forge through that resistance, isn't it? To train a child is to help them do what they should do, not what they want to do. Sometimes parents will ask, well, should we make them go to church? Simple answer, yes. Yes, you should. You make them go to school, don't you? You make them go to the doctor, you make them go to the dentist, make them wash their their hands, wash their hair, take a bath. You make them do all sorts of things. You're going to face resistance. But remember, you're the dad. They're a child. You hopefully have sat down with their mother and planned how you're going to raise them, and you're going to hold to that. They're kids. You're the adult. Help them do what is absolutely best for them. You're going to face resistance, but that's what you're called to do as a parent and as a father, to see to it that they do what you've led them to do. Now, wise parents will raise kids who want to go to church, right? who you teach them this is fun, this is, this is good, this is meaningful. Wise parents teach them that doing chores around the house is good, there's a good reason for it. You're not always forcing them, but you're going to have to force them to do some things. It's really not as hard as you might think, because you do force them to do what matters. 
So the question now is, well, how do we do that? What's, what's my role? How do I help them do what they're supposed to do? How do I raise children to follow Jesus? Well, first of all, I'm going to give you four things. First of all, it's caught as much as it is taught. You're going to have to be someone who follows Jesus in order to train someone who follows Jesus. You're going to have to live it out in order for them to follow you. I remember as a child, as a teenager, and then as a high school student, I remember I played basketball. And my dad had taught me how to shoot a basketball. But he later, when I was in high school and playing high school basketball, he would actually go out in the driveway and shoot free throws with me. He didn't tell me how to shoot them. He just kept shooting them. And he lived it. He was at, when, when I was in high school, at the peak of my athletic prowess, I know it's hard to believe I had an athletic prowess, but at the peak of my career, he could still beat me in shooting free throws. He could make 8 out of 10 every time. The best I ever could do was 7 out of 10. I caught the importance of that, and I caught how to play the game from my dad. I love the story, the difficult story of Genesis 22 when God calls Abraham. He says, Abraham, you need to go and sacrifice your son. You need to put your son on the altar. Abraham does it. Before he's going to sacrifice him, God stops him. And he says this to Abraham in Genesis 22, 12. He says, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God seeing you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Here's what's happening. God is proving to Abraham, helping Abraham understand that his voice is more important than anything his son may need or want. He's saying, Abraham, show your child how important I am to you and demonstrate that to me. Isaac would always know that God's voice was more important to Abraham than even him. Dad, you need to demonstrate that to your kids. That God's voice is more important to you than what they may want or even need. And don't worry, God's not going to call you to sacrifice your child, but he is going to call you to launch him. He is going to call you to say, you need to let them go where I am leading you. It's one of the most joyful and painful things you'll ever do. But it's one of the most exciting things to do when you know they're following Jesus. And they can leave your home. In our case, they can leave your state and leave your region. And you know they're following Jesus. It's caught as much as it is taught. Second, you need to be able to share from your own quiet time. How do I do this? What is God saying to you? What is he saying to you in your study? Is there a scripture that you can share with them? It's great if you can have family worship, but it's also great if you can just simply share with them. You know what? I heard this from the Lord this morning. Or maybe they're afraid, like my dad. I used to be afraid. I was sure someone was going to come in the front window and rob us. I was just sure of that when I was a little kid. And my dad would say to me, you know, son, God did not give us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, 2 Timothy 1, 7. There's nothing more powerful than sharing the word of God with your kids. There's things that you need to teach them personally that mean something to you, that have had an impact on your life. Second Chronicles 16, 9, my dad would say this. Listen, this is how God works. He said, he said, this is how God works. It says, for the eyes of the Lord 
Look to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for one whose heart is loyal toward him so that he may show himself strong on his behalf. I love that picture. God's just looking. He's spanning everywhere like a radar screen, looking for someone whose heart is loyal towards him so that he may show himself strong on his behalf. There are some things you need to share individually. This matters to me, son, daughter. This matters to me. I I want you to know this. Because it means a lot to, to me and what God has done. Live it out. Share from your quiet time. And model and lead them to be involved in church. You can go to church. You can show up and go home. But if you're not involved, if you're not in a life group, if you're not serving, your child is going to go, I guess it's not that important. It's being involved in church. When you show them, it matters to you that Helping to be a part of the disciple-making process is absolutely critical to you in your life. That will model for your kids and show them that it is so important. This is how you grow up to follow Jesus. You're a part of a church on a weekly basis. Not just showing up for service, but involved in the actual fabric of the church. Live it out. Share from your quiet time. Model the role. And fourth, I think one of the most effective things you can do with your child is something I call post-game analysis. After every major sporting event, there's post-game analysis, right? After every NBA Finals game, which sadly the Heat lost, we're still grieving. Um, Great season, though. There's this analysis by these experts about what happened. They do interviews. They say, you know what, man, I think Jimmy Butler should have scored more. I think if they had Tyler Hero, and they talk about all the things. And then it's kind of a what did we learn kind of thing from this. Do that with your kids. You're leaving the ball game. You're going home after they, they played, and, and the discussion shouldn't be, well, son, I can't believe you missed that fly ball. You played terrible. The conversation should be, what did we learn today? What, did, what happened for you? How was the experience? Well, Dad, that call, it wasn't fair. The referee, the umpire, wasn't, it wasn't fair. Yes, great lesson. It's a great lesson for you to understand, son. The world isn't fair. It wasn't fair to Jesus either. And they start to learn. That starts to set in because they're so ready to kind of process what's happened. You can do this after any event. You can do this after a play, after a concert, after a party, after a date, after anything. You just have that conversation. Well, tell me, how did this affect you? What did you learn? What do you think God is saying? We used to watch movies, and after a movie, we would do the theology of the movie. It was really fun. So what do you think? How was right and wrong portrayed here? How was God portrayed? How was the church portrayed? What did you learn? What is it saying? You start to teach them to, be, to critically analyze what's coming at them. We used to drive to school, and I'd let them put on music. Well, I let them put on music that I like or could handle. And then we would evaluate the theology of the song. It was really fun. It'd be like 7 o'clock in the morning. Man. So what do you think about that? I don't know, Dad. I don't know. We'd have this discussion, though. Post-game analysis is really important. You can do it after any day. How was school today? What happened today? Get them talking. Get them asking questions. Your goal is for them to ask you questions, incidentally. Once they ask you a question, they'll actually probably have thought about it, and it'll matter to them. 
post-game analysis. These are just some ways that you can raise up your kids to follow Jesus. How glorious it will be when your child tells you, I've made a decision because I'm following Jesus. I've decided to be with this person and not with that person because I'm following Jesus. I've taken this job because I've heard I just feel led by God to go to this school, to be at this place. And it's, a, it's an amazing experience for a parent. Girls, let me just say, you need to look for a man who will train your kids to follow Jesus. It should be like number one on your list, maybe two, right behind strong and handsome. Well, probably above that because all guys are ugly. Amen. So no offense, Austin, Alden, but uh, seriously, seriously, choose a man who will raise your kids to follow Jesus. And if you're a single mom, when you date a guy, you are telling your kids, this is my idea of a man. You're telling them, this is my idea of what you should be as a man if you're a boy and if what you, my little girl, should be, should look for in a man. I'm telling you this. Guys, thank you for being dads. None of us are perfect. All of us have made mistakes. But I'm grateful for your efforts to raise kids to follow Jesus. To take that responsibility with your wife or whatever way you can. You may say, well, Stephen, my wife will not absolutely, she'll not be involved in this at all. Okay, fine. You do what you can do. You can live it out right? You can share from your quiet time. You can demonstrate how important church is. You can do post-game analysis. You can do all these things, even if your wife's not on board. You do what you can do to make sure your kids are raised up and trained to follow Jesus. You say, well, Steve, I don't even have any kids. Listen, if you're a man, you have a role of influence. There are people watching you, looking at you, sometimes nieces, nephews, people you're related to. Play that role. Be that father figure. You may not have kids yet. You may be too young for that. You need to be getting ready for this, guys. Get ready to be a dad and be ready to influence kids as they're coming up behind you. Don't miss this opportunity. I'm so grateful for you. So grateful for the fathers and the men of this church. Your family desperately needs you to be a dad and this church desperately needs you to be a, a godly man. Our goal is to connect people to Jesus, and that means to make disciples. When you make a disciple, it's not a one-time event, is it? Just like raising a child is not just the birth, is it? That's just the beginning. When someone comes to Christ and gets baptized, our job is to continue to walk beside them, to raise them up, to be all that God wants them to be. That's what being a father is all about. This morning, I want to encourage you. Start where you are and start today. You may say, well, I think my kids know more about the Bible than I do. It doesn't matter. You can still open the Word of God and hear from God and share a scripture. That's all you need to do. Well, they may ask me a question I know the answer to. That's what the church is for. Give me a call. I'll be happy to answer that. Happy to get you a good answer. They may be resistant. They, they sure might be. They sure might be. You don't ever want a child to leave your home that you didn't make every effort to train them to follow Jesus. You cannot make them. You can't. 
You absolutely can. I know great parents whose kids didn't follow up. But listen, you can make every effort. You can train them as very best you can. And then you're trusting Jesus to draw them to himself. Don't miss being a father. Train them up to follow Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.